Well, good morning. Work for a church long enough, particularly a church like this one that has lots of things going on, as Faith was talking about earlier, and particularly when you have a small staff like we do, and you will be called to do things that you never thought you would ever be called to do or even capable of doing. It's not unusual to see our Terry, who is our business administrator, out in the yard looking for leaks to our irrigation service. And it's not unusual for our director of music, Ed, to be called and asked to be Farmer Ted at Vacation Bible Camp. And even our own Pastor Dave has woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning to ensure that we would have enough pulled pork for our hoedown. So we wear lots of hats here at the church. And so... And, while, and I'm no exception to that. But what does make my, my position here a little unique is I actually serve two roles for this church. I am both Pastor Dave's assistant, and I'm also the director of children and family ministries here. And while I enjoy helping Dave and, and our whole team put forth the uh, vision and mission of this church, my passion is in children's ministry. But it is a big job. And what's ironic is that most Sunday mornings, People will walk up to me after seeing us playing with the kids or or doing whatever we are doing, and they ask me, so, um, hey, is this like your real job? And then other people will come up to me and say, so, like, what do you do outside of Sunday mornings, you know, like with the rest of the week? So my response typically is, well, yes, this is actually a real job. And my second response is, how much time do you have? Because there is a lot that goes in to family and children's ministries. And so most past children's pastors and directors like myself will say that we also wear lots of hats, and sometimes simultaneously. We are talent scouts, graphic artists, IT specialists, child care providers, child and family therapists. Some of us are authors and scholars. Others of us are bus drivers and custodians. And what, one thing's clear that we are all the church's party planners. And sometimes we're even preachers too. So it's a big job. But I would like to push back and say that it's actually more than a job. It's actually a deep calling into one of the most important ministries in our church. And so I would like to just take a few minutes this morning and try to uh, support that assertion, if you'll allow. But first, if you would please pray with and for me. God of grace, I come to you as an instrument, and Lord, I I pray that this morning that you would speak through me, but if that's not possible, still speak, just do so in spite of me. Amen. Thank you. So if you've been with us the last few weeks, um, you might have uh, heard Pastor Dave or Faith and now myself, we're talking about creating welcoming, hospitable communities, particularly for those who are different from us. You know, maybe they look different. Maybe they worship different. Maybe they they act different. Maybe they love differently. But this morning, I would like to pay pay special attention to those who might not, among us, who might not even be able to read or even reach our communion table yet. Yes, I am talking about those that are near and dear to my heart. I'm talking about our children. And they are our children, aren't they? As sisters and brothers in Christ, we are all one big family, right? Right? albeit a bit dysfunctional at times, but we are a family. And so as such, we're called to serve and care for and to love one another. Now, I know what you're probably saying. You're probably like, what is she talking about? Of course we love our children, and I know you do. You tell me. 
You come up to me on Sundays and you say, oh, I'm so pleased that the kids are back and joining us at the beginning of worship. You love the time on the steps with them. And I can't tell you how many people have said, there used to be a TV show called Kids Say the Darndest Things. And you recall those stories. And I, so I know it. I hear that you love them. But I think it's going to take more than just love for our children. Because if we're just observers of our children, we are missing a key, a fundamental part of our calling as followers of Jesus. Now, I don't expect you to take my word for it. So I thought that we would go into God's word and see how God sees our children and our service to them. So the episode that we're going to look at today, it actually occurs in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so anytime that occurs, we should pay special attention because this is something we're really supposed to get. But for this morning's purposes, we're going to go into Matthew's Gospel. We're going to start in uh, chapter 19, verse 13 and 14. That's not it. Where is it? Oh, just a second. I see IT specialist here. Okay, so it says, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and to pray for them. But the disciples, they rebuked them. And Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, when he placed his hands on him, he went on from there. Okay, so now I know this. I think we should unpack this scripture a little bit. Um, I know it's short, it's sweet. It's probably one that we've um, heard many times before, but I think it's worth looking deeper into because it's rich with content and lessons even for us today. And just a little context on this scripture, it actually is about six, this occurs, this episode occurs about six weeks before Jesus is going to go to the cross. So his earthly ministry is winding down. Every time I read this scripture, I don't know about you, but I get this this sense of urgency that's underpinning this. And so just for a little, uh, so, so he's nearing the end of his ministry, And so Jesus uses this time. Earlier in the scripture, we hear that Jesus is being challenged by those Pharisees. He's being being, um, kind of criticized and he works with it. But Jesus, classic Jesus, he uses this as an opportunity for a teaching lesson for us. And he deals with some pretty big topics earlier in this chapter. He talks about marriage. He talks about divorce. He talks about the danger of wealth. And, of course, he talks about children. So the scripture starts out. It says, then people brought little children to Jesus. Now, let's just pause right here for just a second. So this is the first century, okay? It's not a really popular time to be a Jesus follower. But these parents or these people, we don't really know. Luke's account says it's parents, but it could be grandparents or families, brought their little children to Jesus anyway. They were willing to take the risk. The second part about this scripture is, again, Let's look at the logistics of this. It is the first century. It's not like you can throw the kids into the minivan and head down to the local synagogue to see Jesus. This likely required them to travel some distance. Anybody ever travel with kids? (laughs) It ain't fun, okay? I don't care where you're going. It's tough. There's a lot of preparation that needs to take place. You know, you've got to prepare for anything, right? You've got to make sure you've got the snacks and the blankets and the diapers, and there's so much to do. So, so likely this is going to be a tough road to hoe. So, and they probably had to walk a great distance. So it's probably hot. 
know, these kids are going, oh, they're getting impatient, they're tired, they want a snack. This is not easy for them. But it was so worth it for these families to take their children to Jesus that they were willing to risk it. Because they knew they were inadequate. They knew it was important for them to have the influence, the blessing, the, the, the touch in the teachings of Jesus. But for what purpose? I mean, these parents obviously got it. But for what purpose were they bringing their children to Jesus? Now, we hear throughout Scripture that people bring others to Jesus. But typically, it's for healing, right? You know, we heard about the leper, the lame, the, the, the blind, even the bleeding. Even the dead were brought to Jesus in hopes of restoration and hopes of healing. But that's not what we see here. These are seemingly healthy children, with, uh, unblemished. But it says that, for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. It was that important for them that they risk their lives, that they travel with children in order for him to place his hands on them and pray for him. They got it. It was that important to them. But who didn't get it? Who didn't get it? Okay, so you would think a bunch of parents are coming with all these kids they've traveled all this distance that the crowds would open up and they would be welcomed but that's not what happened is it it says that the disciples rebuked them so this is jesus's very own representatives here on earth right these are the future church leaders telling these children you're not welcome here we don't want you here we're not willing to to Give up our valuable, our, our precious resources, Jesus, for you. I mean, we're healing here. We don't have time for this. We've got committee meetings to go to, property management meetings to go to. We don't have time for you. Get out of here. And you have to wonder why these disciples would do this. Because there's an episode, just one chapter earlier that's recorded, where the disciples, they were fighting among themselves. They were like, they were wondering about the hierarchy in, in, in Jesus' kingdom. They were saying, wait, who, who's going to be on your right side, Jesus? Who's going to be on your left side, Jesus? Jesus is like, I mean, I could, can you just picture it? He's like, gosh, you guys are just not getting this. So what does he do in this episode? Maybe some of you remember this. He calls out a little child out of the crowd. He puts the child right in the middle. And he said, guys, see this child? You need to be like this child. Otherwise, you're not even going to be permitted into the kingdom. He goes on in this and he says, anyone who takes the humble position of this child is the most important in the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who welcomes a little child like this one in my name welcomes me. How could they have forgotten this? Literally one chapter earlier this is recorded. I mean, and these would have been students of the Torah. They would have read the Psalms before. They would have been familiar with what Pastor Dale just read. They would have understood. They would have said, don't you see that children are God's best gift? Not a gift. They're the best gift. They're the fruit of the womb, his generous legacy. How blessed are you parents, your quivers full of children. How could they have gotten it wrong? Jesus went on, though, in that previous chapter. He says, if anyone causes one to stumble these little ones to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Jesus is pretty clear. This was literally just one chapter before. In fact, 
Children are so precious to God that they're given their own guardian angels. Did you know that? Don't take my word for it. It says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Children are precious priorities to God. And they should be to us too. Because they certainly were for Jesus when he was on earth. Because the very next statement in this scripture, Jesus rebukes those rebuking disciples, right? Luke's gospel says that he was indignant. And he says, Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Remember the millstone around the neck? He says, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Jesus is quite clear on this, I think, that, the, the, that where the children are in the kingdom of God and how important the children are to God. So us knowing this, sorry. so us knowing this, knowing how important they are, how are we as a church welcoming, serving, and loving our children? Because children are important. They're incredibly important. I think it's going to take a partnership, a deep-rooted partnership between the families of our church and our church family. Families just like those first-century families, we have to be intentional. We have to remember how they took risks and they underwent all kinds of discomfort in order to get their children to Jesus? We need to be doing the same to get our children to church. Those parents, remember, that relationship that was, was initiated by the, between Jesus and their children, that was initiated because of the faith and the trust of the families, not the children. Those families knew instinctively that they were inadequate. They knew they can't save their children. There's only one who can. So they risked it all so that they could have, those children could be in relationship with Jesus for his influence for his blessing for his touch and for his teaching because we know parents don't we our children can gain the whole world they can have the finest education awards ribbons trophies they can even have buildings named after them but if our children don't have a relationship with jesus they have nothing and church family what can we do to be there for them. We need to be poised and ready so that when these families come to us, that we welcome them with arms wide open, that we're willing to allocate our resources, our time, our talents, our money in order to be Christ's church, to be Christ's influence, to be Christ's, his, his touch and his teachings to our children recognizing the importance of being in relationship. We need to foster this kind of relationship for our children and Jesus. We need to work tirelessly to make sure that our children have a relationship with Jesus so that they can learn to trust Jesus in the good times and in the horrific times like we have seen over the past week in the Middle East. It is that important. And friends, those who have served in children's ministry, you parents, you grandparents, aunts and uncles, you are modeling for our children what it is to live in relationship with Jesus and to trust in Jesus. 
It's a high honor. It's a huge responsibility. And it's actually a commitment. It's a commitment that every single one of us, if you've ever been in this church and many more churches, that when we baptize a child, we make a commitment to that child and to their parents. Maybe you recall it. It's in our hymnal. It's number 765. And it says that we affirm that as a church, we promise to fulfill our responsibility to parents and their children in teaching, serving, and loving them. And that from the earliest days of memory, the earliest days of memory, Maybe that's in the nursery, in the Sunday school classroom, at vacation Bible camp, JYF, SYF, those earliest days of memory, that they may see the face of Jesus mirrored in us. That's huge. That's a covenant. The scripture that we're looking at today, it ends in the 15th verse of of, uh, Matthew 19. But I prefer Luke's account, or Mark's account, excuse me, where he says, he took, Jesus took the children in his arms and he began blessing them. What a sweet picture that we have, that our Lord and Savior, the one that would die for us, would spend time before he left hugging and blessing the children. What a Savior. What a blessing. Children are a high, precious priority for God. And they should be for us too. And on that, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to beg you for the children to please prayerfully, prayerfully consider serving in this ministry. Commit to teaching one Sunday school a month, a quarter, a year. Commit to being on call for our nursery in case we have little ones that need you. Commit to playing a cast member at Vacation Bible Camp. Commit to showing up at the homework club, even if we don't have any kids there. Commit to serving as a mentor for our junior hires or our high schoolers. Commit to sitting on one of our family ministries team. We need you. Your children need you. They need your influence as Christ. They need you and for those who have served in children's ministry are currently serving in this ministry or hopefully planning to serve in this ministry you must know that what you do matters a lot and that it has everlasting eternal benefits amen i was teaching a sunday school class The lesson was about how kids could trust Jesus with their cares and burdens. In the activity, they wrote down their burdens on sheets of paper, folded them into planes, and flew them to Jesus. In my class were three rowdy boys. I don't know what they wrote on their papers, if anything. The class was fun, but I had no idea if the point was getting across. until two years later, when the mother of one of those boys died.
simple paper airplane would help this young boy remember that he could trust Jesus with anything, with everything. Never doubt that what you're doing matters.